Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the TKW Podcast. I've got with me today uh, Kyle Maggio. I almost called you Kyle Neil Aquino. That's how excited I am. Uh, I, I would have taken it. <laughs> that would have been the preferred route this uh, tonight. And Brian Giberman. How you doing, dude? I'm doing good. Uh, what a beautiful 12-point loss. What a beautiful 12-point loss. I am Anthony Corbo, and we are getting this night started today by discussing... The return of the prince back up to his throne. Frank Nielkina, 18 second half points, fouled out in the blaze of glory. Guys, it's happening. It's happening. He's back. God damn it, he looked good. Oh, he looked great. Except for the fouling out part, but one of those fouls was obvious <laughs> bullshit. You, you put it uh you put it beautifully in Slack. You're like, what a rush. Because <laughs> he, he, he comes into the third quarter, he gives us what, 18? Pretty much, pretty quickly, and then he fouls out like immediately after. Yeah, that is Frankie Smokes right there. That is Frankie Nicotine, like two at. The the play he fouled out on, or, or not the play he fouled out on the uh, the offensive foul. I think that might have been the best move he's made as a pro. Oh, the was it the offensive foul? Yes, when he like used his weight, used his off arm, he had the guy off balance, used his strength to kind of clear him out, and then did like a half euro step type thing for a layup. He's never really done something like that before. No. He's done the euro step, he's taken like the fade away, but I don't think he's ever like used his strength going forward in a straight line to create yeah. an angle to take a clean layup. Yeah, I saw you bringing that up, um, and that that I thought was a really big point. Like, it's exactly that. Like, he. It was a bullshit call because, you know, obviously, I think that was Zeller or on that play, but he was totally out of position for an offensive foul. But still, it was like, but yeah, we've never seen him use that aggression and go up for it. He like ends, you know, we've seen him so often like, you know, take that first step and then lean back and try to put up a fader or, you know, pass out of there even in circumstance. And this time he just tried to go to the rim. And, you know, I don't agree with the call. A lot of us don't, but it was it was still very encouraging to see. He was just letting it rip tonight. Yeah. Like, that was the most beautiful thing. Uh, what was he? Four for four from deep. And then even those pull-ups that he was hitting, and they were pretty nifty because they were uh, – usually he had to make a move to get free. I know – I think on the first pull-up, he pumped, got his defender to bite and jump past him. Uh, then he went behind his back, stepped uh, you know, about two feet in, fr- uh, you know, in from the line, and then drilled the, the mid-range shot. But he just seemed – kind of like what we were talking about with um, – Knox with how aggressive he's been lately and just kind of letting it rip. I saw the same thing from Frank tonight. Yeah. I mean, they were just gunning. The two of them really stole the show. I mean, that's what was really the most exciting about it, especially that third quarter was just Frank was pulling up from everywhere. Knox was shooting for no hesitation. He kept that going all game long. That was, that was really encouraging to see was just Kevin Knox from start to finish with that kind of aggression. I think Frank's third three was a good, like, three or four feet behind the uh, three point line from the top of the key. Like he has that, range. And I that, thought that's what the... I mean. Like that, that, that's like one of those confidence things to me. It was like, he wasn't, you know, he was a little bit farther back and he was just like, fuck it. 
Pulled it and drilled it. And I saw the moment where everything kind of changed with him, too. There was one play in the second quarter where he had plenty of space behind the three-point line, but instead he, he looked up and he faked it and he drove in and you know drove on the left side and he missed the layup. And I think I realized, I think just reading his body language, you could kind of see like he recognized that he should have just shot it there. And that was, I thought, really encouraging to see. And that was a moment where I was like, he might be able to pull it together for, you know, part of this game. And he did. And, you know, he had just, you know, one of the hottest third quarters beginning, you know, and entering the fourth quarter that he's had his entire career. It's a season high in points. It was, uh, it was incredibly encouraging to see him taking the shots, like letting himself get hot instead of being passive, even if he hits a few. It's funny. It's the last two times the Knicks have played the Hornets at MSG that Frank has gone off offensively. That game last year, he had 15 points against them on five of eight shooting. And he also, he had that play where he hit, I think it was Kemba in the face when he drove to the hoop and dunked. And that was one of his best moves last year, but it didn't count either. Yeah. he. I mean, as he becomes more prone to getting to the rim and being a scoring machine there, I feel like he'll start to get some of the benefits of those calls more in his direction. But, you know, for right now, he's obviously got a lot to prove in some, you know, whether they be correct calls or whether it be, you know, a, a shaky non-call or something like that, he, he's going to start. It's not always going to be fouls on him when he gets to the rim. Some of these are going to start getting his way. Some of these, you know, opportunities are going to start going in his favor. And that's going to be, it's going to be really encouraging to see. It seems like he might've reacted to, uh, you know, his benching over the last couple of games. So got to give kudos to Fizz here, even though we were very critical to him over the last week. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just excited. I was so excited to uh, see the box score after the Brooklyn game and get to see with him at least getting some minutes. And then tonight was just, you know, it was like a drag. It was, it was, it was incredible. Just the, the kind of uh, just the, the rush that you got off of it. It was great. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, moving on to Knox. Knox wasn't even overly efficient tonight. He was 10 of 25 from the field. Um, at least he was 50% from deep, four of eight from deep. But um, I'll just take all the shots he wants. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've i said uh, all year, I mean, as long as he's not shooting like 20% from the field, I don't care if he's a little bit inefficient because he, he needs the reps. We signed him or, you know, drafted him because he's going to be a, a talent at the three and the four for us, an offensive talent. And, um, you know, we need another legitimate score to, to be on this team to take us to the next level. And, um, you know, they need Knox to develop into this. So if he's going to have some inefficient nights. I could give less of a shit, to be honest with you, especially if it's a night like tonight. Just let him rip. Let him drill from three. Um, you know, seeing him go 50 percent uh, on a high volume is, is pretty good tonight. But um, that floater that he uh, he had coming out of college that he had that down tonight. I think he had like four flo- uh, four floaters tonight. One of them was a nice bank, but um, he just looked good. He looked really smooth. He wasn't really hesitating. Just missed some shots, but I, I really like what I saw there. And obviously the 15 rebounds is uh, something that we were kind of talking about in the last pod about how he'd been passing and rebounding and doing other things to contribute besides just shooting. And uh, we saw that yet again tonight. So that's really starting to become an encouraging trend. I think there's a balance to it with Knox tonight. I, I, Kyle, where you're coming from, I agree in the perspective you have with it. I do agree with, but I think people are taking it maybe a little too far, like from a, from like a really narrow focus of how he played tonight, he probably hurt the team more than he helped them just from a very narrow focus on it. But you, the mistakes and the shots he's missing, like he has to 
get experience and learn how to do stuff. I mean, the floaters are nice when they go in, but that's also part of the reason he's six seventeen on twos. You want him to, t- and he only got to the foul line twice. You'd really, you'd rather there be less than 25 shots, him getting to the foul line more, because that's where his efficiency can improve. And how to do that is taking those little like four to 10 foot shots and turning in those into shots at the rim. And him learning how to do that is going to kind of be key in him taking it to that next level offensively, because it's just hard to make those tough shots at a, at a good rate. And then I think what's key for him too, on that point is we've kind of joked about how he goes to the rim sometimes. Cause he doesn't know what to do with his arms specifically. He just kind of flails. And I think when he just learns to kind of use his length a little bit and just stick with it and try to finish through the contact is when we'll start seeing that. But it seems like he's just hell bent on trying to be a bucket getter mm-hmm. sometimes when he's down there and he's just trying to always adjust and make it work, but he doesn't necessarily, he shouldn't necessarily uh, always be trying to do that anymore at this level. I see with him a lot. He tries to like shoot over guys when he's going in for a layup instead of trying to like go through the contact and try to draw the foul and finish, you know, accordingly. He just like has a tendency to like try to like get around guys by like, you know, stepping to the outside of them and then putting up this like weird kind of almost hook, but like facing forward towards the rim from it. So yeah, it's, it's exactly that. It's like, he's just kind of is inclined to like put up a floater no matter where he is around the rim. So curbing that a little bit, you know, trying to draw a little bit more contact is something that I think will definitely come along as he goes through and, you know, gets into his career and starts kind of bulking up a little bit to take some contact. Yeah, it's not something to panic about. It's just something for him to continue to work on in games. Like, I'm not freaking out about it, but I do think there's, oh, like, he's not, he's got, there's room for improvement on what he did tonight. Like, that's a, it's a start, and it's good to see him being aggressive, and you want him to see him keep doing that and keep trying and experimenting with different things. Certainly. It speaks to, we always talk about reps with young players, but it's also different kinds of, reps you know like with frank we always talked about reps in a way where it's like all right well let him keep messing up you know like with ball handling and passing and trying to run the offense and actually be a point guard like you know let him get those reps and really try to make you know earn his bones there by being more aggressive and shooting more and then with knox it's mostly just a a workload thing and and figuring out how much he can kind of handle and i think um yeah i mean again it it is you of course want him to shoot better. And it's something that you would hope that they're going to keep working with them on and he can keep uh, improving on, but it's, it was encouraged. Like for me, just had he gotten 26 points and, you know, had that inefficiency without really the rebounds, I think I would have panicked more, but seeing him do like, I don't want to necessarily like lump it in with like a canter thing, but like just seeing him do that pairing is, is nice. You know, it just feels like there's a lot of, there was a lot there. So, just to kind of give a quick recap on the game, uh, Charlotte Hornets beat the Knicks 119 to 107. Um, one of the big issues, obviously, throughout this game was the Knicks were, you know, their def- defense looked pretty bad. Um, and, you know, they were not taking open threes, especially through the first half. Uh, when they had them, they were, you know, inclined, as we've seen a lot of times throughout the season, to kind of take one or two steps in and take that mid range jumper. Um, or, or just pass up the opportunity altogether. I want to start with the defense, though. A um, couple of things that I noticed when I was watching the first couple of quarters is the Knicks don't necessarily have bad individual defenders on this team with you know a few glaring exceptions, but they have players who are competent one-on-one defenders. 
And one of the guys I want to talk about quickly is Mitchell Robinson. Um, he had some plays again. He got matched up on Tony Parker a couple of times and was competently, he kind of lost him at the rim a few times, but he co- pretty competently held him at the perimeter. Like just his length makes him able to hold down defenders who are like who the ball handler on the, def- on the, uh, on the perimeter, but like still take a couple of steps off them, be able to sag off and still be in a position to get a block. And that's such a unique skill that he has in this league. And he's been using it to his advantage. Um, have you guys noticed anything else about Mitch that you, that, you know, has made him really competent on both the perimeter and at the rim this season? I mean, I just like how quick his feet are, to be honest. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that I noticed. And it obviously helps with the rim protection, but even with the perimeter guys, because there was one, uh, one possession. He got cooked by Tony Parker at the end on a pump fake. But Tony tried to make a move at the top of the key to lose him, and Mitch stuck with him. Just perfect defense, you know, side by side. Kept his arms up, just kept sliding with him. Um, played him perfectly to the rim. Stifled Tony quickly, and then he got hit with the pump fake and lost it. But just seeing him keep up very easily due to his length, but also his, his footwork. Um, that to me is just very encouraging. We, you know, we see that with special kinds of um, defensive centers and uh, we know that he has the talent, but like seeing that specific kind of um, component of his defense, that that's something that I enjoy. So am I crazy that I thought he struggled with that more tonight? I thought there was more bad than good when he got switched on to guards tonight. Oh no, there was, there was, but I mean, oh, just okay. seeing there were that he can I mean, it's kind that. of the whole thing with the, with every player on this team is that, you know, that's why part of the defense ended up being so bad in the end tonight. We lost by so much, but it's just these highlights and these, you know, interesting, unique characteristics, of these players that I've been able to, that, you know, especially with Mitchell Robinson that have stuck out to me in these early games. All right. So to exemplify this um, tonight, with Cantor on the court, the Knicks had a 129.3 defensive rating. With Robinson on the court, they had a 92.7. Wow. Yeah. And they they targeted Cantor. I mean, I, I forgot what it was. Um, Mike Cortez in our Slack chat brought it up during the game. I think it was like they were doubling us up with points in the uh, paint at one point. I'm trying to. Yeah, at one point it was 40 to 24 points in the paint. They were just going right at Cantor for a while. Um, it wasn't great. Because <laughs> yeah, in the beginning they were drilling from threes, and then all of a sudden they went right from drilling these threes, and they went right into Cantor, and then it was just, it was just brutal. It was just simply, and it was like a nosebleed, you know. But th- this is the crazy thing about Robinson is that we're sitting here talking about it. We're like, yeah, there's stuff he did, and we don't even think it, he really played all that well defensively. Like, there's a lot of room for improvement, and even with that, just him how big and long he is it he positively impacts the game anyway like it's kind of crazy to think about that you got yeah, two, because he had two blocks in two, only 19 minutes tonight i mean that, that's his, well, i was gonna say yeah those two blocks came in the first minute two minutes that he was in yeah i mean that was he did his um he got one uh just around the rim and then the other one was uh the the left three-point corner he got out to and swatted it when he recovered and it's just and that's know, just he, that's exactly what I'm talking it. about. That he's there's like no other I mean, very few centers in the league. And we were talking about this last time we chatted too, just like trying to find a comparison for him in you know, throughout the other twenty nine teams, and it's really hard. And I, I think part of it starts with how he can be a capable defender on the perimeter. It's just his positioning out there is so unique. Where he doesn't have to be right on the guy, you know, to like have a chance at defending him. Or, you know, he can 
take a few steps back. He can and still be able to follow him to the rim without falling behind. And that I think is going to be a pretty big strength as he, you know, develops. That what you brought up is the key to it all for him is that so even he has pretty good foot speed, but even when he eventually loses it as he gets older, as long as he understands how to use his length to contest while still being able to keep a distance. And once he gets that down, his defense is going to get so much better. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that is uh, having some good leaders on the team to kind of uh, point him in the right direction. Obviously, Ennis Cantor isn't going to be teaching uh, Mitchell Robinson anything about defense anytime soon. But one of the young guys who might be able to give him a couple of pointers, and I think it started to already take that charge, is Noah Vonley. I was seeing him tonight, and he was he was barking out orders on defense, especially late in that first quarter when they started to fall behind. Um, I, I was seeing Vonley yell into the guards to you know cover cover the perimeter. Kemba Walker was getting free quite often. I saw Vonley yelling in that direction, trying to get Moutier to cover him. There's something to be said for having an on-court leader when it comes to defense out there, especially with how bad this team struggles. And seeing Noah, Noah Vonley fill that role has been really encouraging lately. He had a weird line tonight. Could you guys take a look? I, I noticed it mm-hmm. as it was developing yeah. when he had about six assists. But Okay, so in uh, about 30 minutes tonight, he had only three points, and it was just one three um, that he had made. And uh, he had 10, 10 rebounds. Nine assists. That's a and, and he's he's a stretch four. You know, you know it's a very it's a very weird line. I'm 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 really hyping up his defense right now, and he was a team worst minus twenty three out there. Well, he's playing with Moutier and Cantor, who is second in uh, with minus twenty and third with minus seventeen. But uh, the um, on that weird line, uh, he had four assists against Brooklyn. He had three assists against the Celtics. They're, they definitely run some offense through him also. And he also, he gets some cheap assists from the dribble handoffs. And like one of his assists tonight, I know, I, I feel like was like just the handoff to Frank and Frank came around and stepped into yeah. the jumper. But that that's also a skill, knowing how to use your body to do the handoff yep. correctly and your fundamentals. That That is a skill. So it's not, I shouldn't just completely write that off also. Yeah, I think he's just good at positioning himself. He just know. I think he's got a pretty good grip on how you know to play with a team that's got a lot of guards running through it. I mean, you look at where he was in uh, in Portland, and you look at the teams he you know the team he was on last year at the very end in Chicago. Like he plays with a team that's usually got a lot of fast moving wings or you know very ball dominant guards. And I think knowing how to get himself into a good position to hand the ball off to you know even be able to make the short passes or the little bounce pass or something like that. Uh, I think you're right. That's a that's a pretty big skill. He uh, he doesn't read the court well enough, but the Knicks are kind of trying to use him a little bit. How the Warriors use Draymond Green as like a playmaking big. Yeah, I see that very much so. It's just fun how talented he is. You know, like just well rounded he is to be able to have different kinds of impact games. Like we've seen him score a bunch of points. We've seen him do like a monster double double, and then tonight it was almost like a strange double double of ten and nine. It's just. It's fun to have a guy who could do a bunch of different things like that on any given night. It's very encouraging to see. It's it, he's a guy that I think, and not only that, like he's you know like we're talking about him on offense right now. And even though he was pretty poor in the uh, in the box score on defense, like you could see him at least trying to lead the way out there. So he's not quite a veteran. He's only what twenty three, twenty four, something like that. He's I think he's twenty three. Yeah, he's 
you know, he's still learning with the rest of the guys, but to be kind of, you know, maybe a step ahead, you know, maybe with a lower ceiling, but still able to help these guys get to the next level is going to be, you know, it's pretty encouraging. I'm, I'm very happy with Von Lee so far. I brought this up one time a couple of weeks ago, or I think early or late last month. Um, I just find it funny still how he was almost the last signing the Knicks made yeah, this yeah. summer. You know, like I, I remember all of us at that point, they made a bunch of like little signings for uh, some of those G League players and everything was in that flurry. I remember seeing the uh, email for, for Von Lee getting signed and I was really just like, eh, all right. Like I posted about it and I was like, all right, you know, whatever. And I didn't really bat an eye. I didn't feel strongly about it. I was like, oh, it's good. They got another training camp body. And like, that was it. And like, I knew he, I knew he could do things, but just the timing of it all, it just, it just sounded, it felt to me like, you know, he was sort of washing out of the league to get interest that late and it'd be from a team like the Knicks. And then for it to turn out like this is just very, very fun. I assumed he wasn't going to make the team. Same, same. And I am happily wrong. I, I refer to I referred to him as a training camp body multiple times or something. Yeah. So, I'm just you know. surprised at how young he is still like to be, you know, run through, you know, run out of Portland and then end up in Chicago where he's got, you know, made no, you know, had no sense of sticking around or anything like that. And to like end up in his third team and be only 23 years old. Like this guy's got plenty to prove. This guy's got plenty to contribute on the court still. And, you know, for him to just kind of wash up on the Knicks is, you know, it's exciting for us at least, but I'm, not, I'm shocked by it every day. It's too bad they didn't sign him to more than a one-year deal at a cheap price. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, not, I'm very worried not, about how much he might command at the end of this year. Yeah, it's, it's good for him, but not good for the Knicks. Because mm -hmm. there's there's no way, right? I mean, unless... It depends unless on how he we, plays they, the rest of the year. No, I mean, like, unless he plays, like, dog... Really, like, dog shit the rest of the year. I mean, they pretty much have to swing and miss on the A and B list free agents that they're probably going to be shooting for and then be like, all right, well, we liked Noah. And hopefully if he's still there, it's a contingency plan. I see a lot of people saying that, um, that he might command like $5 million this year. And I think that is ludicrous. I think if he continues this kind of play, he's in line for, you know, at, le at least a, a solid $10 million contract that the Knicks are yeah, not like eight, willing like eight to, to dish eight to 10. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, gotta be right. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, he's not going to go out there and get like a Tim Hardaway size deal or anything like that, but he's, He's definitely not going to be, you know, a better a minimum signing this summer. I, I was thinking like the eight to eleven million yep, range yeah, if yeah. it's somewhere in this vicinity of play. Yeah. I, I, I he seems to hit hit that like valuable role player, seventh, eighth man off the bench, but like, you know, on a championship team they would have no problem paying him that much money. Yeah. I'm excited but I mean, while he's here, I'm excited for what he can contribute to the team. And yeah, you know, we can only face that next summer. All right, so I, I have a question for you yeah. guys. I mean, Trier is is pretty much blatantly better than Courtney Lee at this point, right? Um, I mean, it's so hard to judge Lee right now, but I would say that I mean, for all intents and purposes, you gotta play Trier. But yeah, I, I, I would still probably say that Trier right now is definitely better than Courtney in in any objective space. Right now, he's better than Courtney Lee. Um, I mean, Lee just has, I think Lee is, is better. Should be better. You know, I, I think it's true until proven otherwise, like in the present moment, because Lee just looks like he's either incredibly rusty or I don't even know what, but 
it's something Anthony brought up earlier. He Lee loves more than anyone to pass up open catch and shoot mm-hmm. threes to dribble into a mid range jumper. He did it once tonight when he mm-hmm. had a wide open shot, and then he took the most awful turnaround jumper as the shot clock was expiring, and I wanted to yell at the TV. It's just like I feel like, and you don't want to see that out there because it starts to lean into it starts to become kind of how the team plays. It starts the other players start to take notice of that. It's like I don't know. Dotson does the same thing where he'll pass up that open three and he'll take a couple of steps in and take that mid ranger. And Dotson, to me so far, has looked a lot like a better version of what we expected Courtney Lee to be coming into this season. But you know, I I don't Courtney Lee's offense is probably only declining from here. Um, defensively, he probably can still bring a lot for us, but yeah, passing up those open threes like that is not going to do anything. You know, I mean, even he, you could see when he made that shot tonight, how much like he had been needing that, you know, passing up open threes like that. And it applies for the whole team is not going to, not going to help anybody's confidence, uh, you know, getting minutes out there. I do think that like one of the just, passing up open threes like they had been doing when they were down by 10, 15 points. It's completely ludicrous. You can't be doing that when you're down by, you know, a a decent lead early in the game. You can get back from that and passing up open threes. is not going to let you do it. I was just, I was just looking at the box score again. Mm -hmm. Dotson really has the same game. Like every every game, it's the same. It's like this every every time. It's, I, t- I say it every time. It's twelve to fourteen points, couple rebounds or assists. Yeah, but look look at that. No three. He didn't take a three point attempt this whole game. He didn't. He was he came in yeah hot. Like on all, all of his uh, pull ups, he came in hot. He had a couple of drives. Um, he was just looking to get inside this because time, like, but. but he I see him coming off the screen a lot, and he never just like takes that right away three off the screen. He always like sees it, takes another two steps in. And by that time, whoever is the big at the rim is already coming back towards him. I just, I, I like Damian Dotson a lot. This isn't to say that I don't. I just want to see him being able to shoot more right away. He was doing that to begin the year. He was taking open threes like no one's problem earlier this year. And I just, I see that going away little by little each game. Did you guys notice how Tim Mardaway Jr. had the quietest, pretty effective night tonight? I wrote it down. We just don't talk about him enough. He's just not, when it comes to all these young well, Knicks, he's just not, doesn't pique that same interest, but he, he's been solid. I mean, he, he did, you know, I mean, he got to the line twice tonight, but he was seven to 13 from the field, which um, for the way he had been shooting the last two or so weeks, I mean, that's very welcome. Um, but yeah, he had 21 on seven to 13 shooting, two rebounds, five assists, a couple of steals. And there was one pass in particular that's, stuck out to me because I feel like Timmy last year would have taken like a contested uh, fade, but he, he was kind of higher than the block on the right side. And he kind of spun backwards. And instead of going up with it, he just like two hand over, over his head, chucked it to Knox, who was on the other side of the court um, behind the three point line. And then Knox drilled the three. And I was like, that's really nice to see from Timmy. Like, that's a really nice find. Oh, I think over the last 10 games, his true shooting percentage was under 50. It was like 48 or 49%. He really needed a night like tonight. And I think playing him, you can manage the inefficiency a little better if you surround him with better defensive players because you're getting more stops. But when you're using the starting lineup like the Knicks are and he's playing with those guys, like they have to be at peak efficiency on offense to have it. 
just to basically break even. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely fair. I mean, that's kind of why I wanted to see him in a lineup um, that had Dotson start alongside him. You know, that's kind of why even this lineup, it, you know, Mitch isn't going to start over Cantor anytime soon. But um, if you could just give him like, you know, obviously we wish Frank would start at the point guard. But if you could at least put Dotson next to him to give him some kind well, of help on the, the perimeter, that'd be a nice start. Let's talk get, about like, that. Hizoni does him no favors. Yeah, let's talk about that starting lineup real quick because Hizonia played five minutes tonight. He was 0 for 3. Um, and then it was five minutes in, and then he was out of the game for the rest of the time. I think well, this vanity Hizonia starting at the 3 bullshit has got to end. It's just right. got to end. I, I don't well, know what to, what to say. Well, real quick, I want to ask you guys, do you think it's going to end? Because Knox started the second half at the 3. I think it's going to. I think it's just time. I, I, I honestly got like I, I missed the first couple of minutes of this game and then I went back and looked at, you know, Knox was playing with the same lineup that had been, uh, you know, that was running with with Azonia to start the game and he looked good. I, I liked how he and Vonley were playing together. And then, you know, obviously Knox was dominant throughout the game and played 41 minutes tonight. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's time to say goodbye to Mario Hazonia. This is getting ridiculous. Brian. Um, OK, why? Was why did Fizdale cross match him on Kemba Walker? Like why was that a thing that I witnessed on my TV for five minutes of game time tonight? Mary Hazonia's the best uh, defender on the team. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know, and I'm was... really I'm really tired of saying this this like reasoning, but like I feel like is some of it like intentionally stupid. Like he knows, and I don't mean that in a derogatory like a mean way. I mean is some of it like. Yeah, we know Mario sucks at defense, but we want to give him every opportunity to try. So we're gonna we're gonna call a couple of little things like that and let him uh, prove it to us. Because you know, like to me, the Trier at point guard experiment was kind of like that. Like, yeah, I mean, we know he can't pass a whole hell of a lot. Let's just see what he does initiating the offense. Like, is some of it intentionally like leaning into what the weaknesses are and really leaning into the developmental aspect of it, or is it just God that was an awful play call? He won't. He won't cross match Frank onto better play, better offensive <laughs> play. It's true. It's 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 yeah. It's yeah. Like, I, I was it, about to agree with Kyle's point. I was about to see exactly where it's coming from. But then there's that kind of bullshit, and you just you're just like what what's going on? Because no, because I actually agree with what Brian's saying. It's just funny because. I can I can talk myself into it sometimes. I can see like, oh yeah, I can see why they would do that. That would make sense. If that's what they're trying to do, I don't know if it's gonna work out, but I understand it. And then I see things like that happen where it just it leaves the doubt. You know, it, it, there's always just enough doubt in it that that makes us question it. And we want it, we wanna believe. Like I would wanna just trust Fisdale hundred percent. But then little things like that'll happen and then I'm just like, not yet. And to be fair, like Frank, I didn't think Frank particularly played well defensively. Tonight. He did. He got cooked by Parker a few times. And Kemba crossed him really bad coming yeah. around screen. Two tough matchups for Frank for sure. But yeah, he, he did not look good out there. Well, I, he should be able to handle Tony at this point. I know I, Tony and had I know, a good game tonight, though. And, Tony and I know was who Tony, good. I know who Tony is. We all know who Tony Parker is. I know we all know how crafty he's been in his career, and crafty gets you. Lots, even when you're older, I I understand it. But uh, for how we tout Frank, 
I, I would like for him to not have gotten cooked by Tony Parker a couple of times. That's all. I think it's fair. Kemba, it happens. Happens to the best of them, but but not Tony. That would have been nice, but I get it. All right. Speak, speaking of defense, they didn't play any of it tonight, but against the Celtics and the Nets, they played zone defense, and they give up either a wide-open three or a wide-open layup every single time. Can we never play zone defense ever again and just make Zone defense is for cowards. I thought I recognized him playing zone in a, a game a couple of weeks ago, too, and that they just got to cut that shit out. <laughs> I don't, yeah. It's not going to do them any favors, especially when they, you know, they already have a team with guys who are capable one-on-one defenders. It's like we were kind of talking about earlier. So putting them in a situation where you're going to be playing, you're going to be defending a zone is not going to be doing any favors. You just can't, just simply because of the volume of threes, you're going to get... You're going to get slaughtered if you play. It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. I just. Can I, I would be kind of interested in experimenting with his own defense with Mitchell KP and Frank all on the court together. That would be interesting. Could you have enough length to cover every and wingspan to cover every section of the floor there? So that's when it might work. But, and it might not, and it might just, be thrown shit at the wall and it's not going to actually come through. But I, that I could see some logic behind trying something like that. And then say you had another really crazy long player at the small forward position and like, have like four a Kevin guys with seven and another one. And you had those five out there yeah. together. You'd have five guys with like seven foot wingspans could do some things with that so i there is one player in the nba that i'm thinking of with a seven foot wingspan who might be able to help in this situation you guys have any idea who i'm talking about oh no i said oh 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 that guy that guy that guy yeah i i mean this is just even more reason why it would be just outrageously good for Kevin Durant to come to New York, but we're not talking about that yet. We're not, we're saving that for 2019. Um, just, oh, just real quick. Cause I know you yeah. take it on Anthony. Yeah. Brian, yeah. Did you, do you think he's actually coming? Do you think that there's a realistic chance? I think there's some LeBron LA ish type feel to it, but I'm not, I'm staying. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. I'm trying you're, to save, you're it exactly where I'm at. save it for 2019. You got plenty of time. Yeah, I just I won't believe it until it actually happens. But I do. I, there's like a logical reasoning behind it that has nothing to do with basketball. My, my two my two rule outs were um, first of all, I do think the more likely scenario in my head is that he just resigns a Golden State and something happens with Draymond and they move on. on but to me, that's the most likely thing. But, you know, the, the LeBron parallel is something I've said in this part, too, because it's like. You have nothing else to prove. You're finals MVP over there. You're an NBA MVP already with the Thunder. You know, now you're, you're, he's going to be a three-time champ after this year, most likely. And um, what else would there be? You know, so it's either to me, you just ride it out in Golden State because you wouldn't go to L.A. to then go play behind LeBron for a couple more seasons. That seems silly to me. So, I mean, I to me, it's either he would go to Golden State and just finish it out there and just be a warrior and then... Uh, if he doesn't do that, then I could see him doing that whole, well, I have nothing else to prove. I just want to, you know, kind of go back to being the man. And that, 
seen but, what I mean, that's happens kinda, like, in the East. That's kind of what I mean, man. Like, Kevin Durant is not at finish it out there kind of status in his career. And he knows it. Like, he's just, he's Kevin Durant. Like, from all, this, all the smoke signals we've seen, all of the, you know, just how he, who he is as a person, everything like that. It's just, I just, just think he's getting tired out there, man. I think he's getting tired of all this winning. I think he's getting tired of all the, uh, you know, I think, I think it's time to build something back up again. And I am, I'm right here for him. I'm ready to be home. <laughs> Anthony's trying to speak it into existence, right? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm doing. All right. Um, yeah, I, I, looking at this box score here, everybody else pretty much had a quiet game tonight. I mean, even I Moody, I did not look very good tonight out on the court. His three pointer looked just heinous, which is what we were talking about. All of those lean in bump from behind threes weren't going to stick around. It uh, makes me really sad when he has a bad game now. Yeah, I can't believe how quickly that happened. It makes me really, really like he's he was really trying hard the last couple of weeks and playing really well. Yeah. And then when he has a bad game, it real it now pains me. It now honestly pains me. I'm like, damn it, man, like. I almost feel like it's the Frank thing. When Frank plays bad, then I have that little, like, it tugs on my heartstrings a little bit. I'm like, come on. Like, I want better for you, please. Like, I've reached that. I've reached that with Moutier somehow. And I'm just like, come on, man. Like, we saw it a few weeks ago. Just keep doing it, please. Can't he, like, do it off the bench? Well, he could. He could. I Eventually, I like what we've seen from him. I just have. Eventually. It didn't work I, tonight. I'm not, I'm not in a rush for them. I would rather them have the five kids keep playing together against second units and just tweak with it a little bit to get Pazonia out of the rotation, then have some of them start. I'd rather yeah. them play big minutes together. And do you think that's what Fizdale's thinking too? Is that why Kevin Knox hasn't started at this point in the season? Is that why, you know, we're continuing to run with the lineup of, you know, Moutier, who's on the last year of his deal, Hardaway Jr., who's already an established vet, You've got Mario Hazonia there, who's in a one-year deal. Noah Vonley is on a one-year deal, and then Cantor is going to expire. These are all guys who don't really have a lot of, you know, long-term value to the franchise. And I think that I think you're absolutely right. Playing these young guys against second units are going to be, you know, it's kind of the bridge between playing against real NBA players and the uh, and the G League, where you can kind of, you know, you don't have to send them down there like we've been pining for for a couple of weeks there, but they're still playing against somewhat lesser talent where they can, they're not just going to get eaten up every night on the court. And they play. Oh, go ahead, bro. I was just going to say soon you can maybe plug Lance Thomas in for those like four mm. to minutes in the first and third quarter instead of his own. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's then, a good point. And then just have Knox or Dotson come in pretty quickly. They can, so they get those minutes more in the 28 to 32 range. They can come in at the four minute mark, but, but that can still get them more with, the second unit than the first unit and playing with the kids though. Yeah. The, the, the site, when they've been uh, trotting the kids out against like these second units or to finish the games up, they just play fast, you know? And I know you brought up a point about this. Um, it's I think wrong. It was during it yesterday's game. It was wrong though. It, it was. Yes. But you can, I, I, there's a certain energy that, that they have out there. Like when Frank was really rolling tonight, like they got the ball up quickly. Like it was at half court and no time off defensive rebounds. He even pushed off a off a make once, and I was really proud of him. It like didn't turn 
anything, but he looked to attack often, and that made me happy. Yeah, it was just that they have a sense of urgency about them, and I, I enjoy that. It, you, it's like a different pace than we see with the starters out there. So one guy got some burn at the end of this game tonight, and I think it might be the, it might be the victory lap. It might be the final cigar with Ron Baker. Uh, we all know we got to make some room for Trier pretty soon. Uh, we know that he's coming off his two-way contract, and there's going to have to be a roster spot to go. The obvious choice here is Baker. He came into the game, got nine minutes in the fourth after Frank fouled out, uh, went two for three, a couple of assists, three assists, five points. Um, I'm going to mute myself guys, and let Brian have his moment. Do you guys think that Ron Baker's time in New York is coming to an end? He, did you see? Wait, time out. Did we not see the Kevin Love outlet pass? Oh, the yes, pass. yes, yes. Oh, the Kevin Love outlet pass. Yep. Back to the rotation for Ron Baker. <laughs> He got he got Courtney Lee his only points his first uh, or his uh, his first points from uh, coming back from injury. He's uh, it, yeah I, it, I it would that was came out of nowhere and if that's his lasting legacy if that's how this guy goes out then I'm all for it. So I mean it's Cornette or Baker. I, I'm trading Trey Burke somewhere else is an option I kind of like in getting him away mm. from this mix. I think he's just an extra body. And it'd be better for both parties. Somebody's got to fall out of the rotation. Yeah. You just can't play all these guys. All right, try as we may. There's there's just no minutes for all these guards. And Baker, you can get away with sitting easier. That's not really true. You can sit Trey Burke. <laughs> like there's no rule that you have to play. There's no rule you have to play Enos Cantor. I don't know why with the Knicks we're beholden to these people while other organizations don't do it. That's something that's strange. But Trey, uh, Trey Burke would be better for the organization than him if he was somewhere else, probably. Yeah, I agree with that. He's, I mean, he's got some value, no doubt. You know, I don't know. He'll probably fetch you. Uh, I mean, we're not talking first round pick for Trey Burke at this point, right? No, a second round right, pick. Right. Yeah, I mean, and that's fine. And that I think that's enough value to get out of Trey Burke from you know coming out of the G League and becoming you know dropping forty two points in Charlotte last year or forty one or whatever it was. Um, he's been a really fun watch. He's been, you know, he's had a lot of good moments as a Nick and I kind of like being a part of, I don't know if you want to call it his comeback story or not, but it's been good to see, but yeah, you're right. He's, he's got a little bit of value. Let's take it while we can get it. And he would be much better suited on some other team where he can maybe make a little bit more of an impact. He, he would be perfect for Orlando, him and DJ mm. get rid of and grant from their rotation. And then just have him and oh. DJ all. <laughs> I mean, it's not great, but it's an it would be an improvement for that, and, and at a much cheaper cost than maybe some other point guard other point guard would, call, would take to get. Once a Nick, always a Nick. Jaron Grant. I like that draft pick. So don't listen to me. Um, <laughs> we all like that draft pick at the time. Nobody was against that pick. Yeah, I mean that one shot Timmy to the moon. So yeah, that rendition of Tim was horrid. Was, horrid it was really it was really something yeah yeah i'm that he's the player he is today still kind of that's what i mean he's made he's made a lot of improvements a lot since that first year or two with the knicks i mean it's not where you'd want him to finish obviously but i mean the strides that he's taken especially over the last like three seasons it's a lot on a really good team he can now be your first guard off the bench that that's yeah. kind of the goal you want. It'd be a great role for him too. 
Yeah, in in a starting lineup, I'm going to assume one of the better scorers isn't going to be the greatest defensive player. So you're going to want to stagger him for defensive reasons. But he could definitely be that second guard off the first guard off the bench and play 25 to 28 minutes on a championship caliber team. You mean sort of Lou Will type? Lou's better. Lou's better at getting his own offense. I think Timmy has to play more of a secondary role coming playing off people than like the Lou Crawford thing, but he can create for himself a little bit. I think Lou's a little bit better at that though. Definitely. I really do enjoy that. He's come on though. It makes, it just get it gets me really excited that, you know, he flamed out in Atlanta. He obviously had his G league stint and everything. And he's talked about how impactful that was on him. And then, you know, and then came back, you know, got re-signed with the Knicks and since Chris Stops went down really. And even while Chris Stops was still playing, he was, you know, either either a very capable second option or now has proved to be a, a veteran leader on this team. And it's 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 incredible to see what I guess going to college for Tim Hardaway Jr. did for him. Dude's just like a different player now. I just can't believe that Frank had his career I'm, high in points. Can he score twenty fucking points already though? Yeah, Come on. I thought it was gonna happen. I thought it was gonna happen. It's happened a couple times like this, like that Cavs game. He didn't score in the fourth quarter, I don't think, or he got close. There's been a couple games where he's gotten in the high teens, and then Hornacek pulled him a couple times where he just stopped shooting late in the game, and it always gets me mad because I want him to get 20. I thought, I mean, I thought for sure he was going to get it tonight, and then I didn't even realize he had the fifth foul. I don't know why. I assumed that he had four. Then he got six, and I was like, my heart stopped. I was like, oh, no. Like, we, we were there, my son. We were going to get it tonight. Tonight was the night. I felt it. You know what I really felt? It was when he made that. It was like a fast break three on the left side. And he hit it. And he kind of faded a little bit as he shot it. And he still drilled it. Now, like, now he's hitting shit off balance. Like, tonight, tonight is the fucking night. Like, this might be a 24-point night. And uh, alas, it was not. Uh, and as much as I love him. I mean, not great that we're talking about how badly we wanted to score his 20th point and we're a season and a half in. Yeah, I know, but it's like, but still, he's getting there, and uh, I don't know. It, it, I, it's, it, it's, 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 it's one just, game. From the, it was just such a week. I, I was so afraid all week. I was so nervous. I was on the edge of my seat. Every time that Frank had a talking to at practice with Fizdale or, you know, and, and any little tiny smoke signal was blown up into Frank Villalquina's getting traded. And that, like, edge of the seat shit was, ugh. I never want to go through that again. I would bet money that Bisdale wasn't going to go to him first if Trier didn't get hurt in warm-ups, that they would have went to the non-point guard lineup again. And it would have not have been until it got to that 12, 15-point range that he went back to Frank. That's what he did with Dotson. When he brought Dotson back, Dotson came back. He played well. He didn't go to him right away. Again, he waited till they got down again and he put him back mm. in the second. And from that point forward, he started working him in a little bit earlier. I wouldn't have been surprised if he did the same thing with Frank again tonight. I, uh, I wonder if the whole Trier point guard experiment, that one game was really just to send a message to Frank or if it's something that they actually wanted to take a look at. I mean, in the, in the, course of trying to develop your players i mean that's that would make sense for trying to shore up one of his weaknesses is get him some time there but 
in, in terms of it being a winning formula, it wouldn't really be. Um, but in, in a couple of stints to try to let him get a feel for a different aspect of offense that he's used to, I, I don't mind it for a de- uh, developmental sense. But, you know, we I just feel like we don't really know with Fisdale yet. This is true. It's true. It's I mean, I feel like we're starting to get an idea of who Fisdale is, but like, you know, I, I can we can definitely at least tell that he likes to try to make players hungry and uh, and you know and try to you know benching them for a couple of games has certainly proven to do that and obviously we've had a couple of successes so far this season with that same strategy but you know time will tell as uh, as the season starts to roll on and we start to see more of Fizdale's tendencies but uh, him getting ejected tonight well, let's let's wrap up on that note. Uh, obviously very pissed off about the Frank Nielakina foul on the drive, uh, which was his fifth foul. And he quickly picked up the sixth one after that was not happy with the officiating. Um, where, how do you guys feel about Fisdale getting fired up and getting two T's and getting tossed for the rest of the game? I'll always love that shit. Yep. I'll always love when, when the coaches get fired up and, and get a tax or ejected. I, I'll always eat that shit up. I, I'm the, I'm the exact target audience that that's made for when they do it for the cameras. It's, Oh, it's me. It's me. I see him get fired up. I get fired up. It's a beautiful thing. Um, please, Brian, tell me uh, why it was all for show and, and yell at me about it. But I, I will always eat it up no matter how fake that I know it might be. I, I, I just don't care. I don't mind it. I can, I laugh at it. It's funny. I mean, good that he stuck up for Frank. Uh, I'll give him that. Uh, but um, for the most part, I just don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we got to see Keith Smart finishing the game out for us. And, you know, Knicks were obviously all down by then. I I, I, I was kind of encouraged by it. I thought that it was good to see Fizzle sticking up for his team. I felt like that was a good opportunity for him to send a message to the players that, you know, he's got their back and everything in these situations. But, yeah, you know, not a huge deal overall, but still... Uh, an interesting thing to come back from timeout to. I, I actually think the nicest thing about it is that you do it occasionally a season every year to let one of your assistants get some experience uh, coaching the team again. That That's a, kind of a cool thing about it. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, do we have anything else you guys want to touch on for tonight? Let's take a look at the schedule moving forward. Uh, I got to get it up in front of me because I'm unprepared. The Cavs on the 12th. Yep. In Cleveland. And play the Hornets. Yep, back on, to the Hornets. Uh, December 14th on Friday. They're in Charlotte. Oh, it's so a three-game road trip. Yep, Pacers on Sunday. Um, yeah, so... Three-game road trip, but kind of a, a lighter week for them. They don't play again until Wednesday. Um, and then the Hornets game will be on Friday. They play against the Pacers on Sunday. Um, yeah, I feel like this is a pretty good stretch for them. Maybe they come back and they're able to get this next one against the Hornets. Uh, you know, we'll have to see about that. They really didn't look like they had any chance tonight. So uh, We'll we'll just have to see. Cavaliers, I'm hoping for a, a decent game. I'm interested to see what the uh, Neil Aquina versus Sexton matchup is going to look like. I need some more. I need some more W's in my system. Um, I, I know people want to do the whole tanking thing again. Uh, I haven't been rooting for losses this year. I made a conscious decision at the beginning of the year that 
despite uh, the many L's they will take this year, I am I'm actually going to go back to rooting for wins. Um, so beating teams like the Cavs, I would thoroughly enjoy. And um, yeah, that, that's all I really got there. Please, please start winning some games. <laughs> I'm on the same page as you. I'm sorry. I, as much as I want Zion Williamson on this team, I just I don't want to root for losses. And as long as the young kids are playing a bunch of minutes, I root for them to do well. I'll, I'll root. I root against the starting lineup right now, but once like the kids start filtering in, I'm rooting for them to do well and win. Yeah, I will say, guys, I don't necessarily know if the Knicks are going to be able to get that win against Cleveland, considering they just acquired um, Matthew Delavadova back. Um, the obvious stopper. Some say, the, some say he's better than uh, Michael Jordan. Yeah, I've, I've, I've often heard that. I've heard him in the goat conversation before. I've heard that LeBron James needed to get him off his team uh, you know, so he wouldn't compete with him. And who could forget that iconic moment when he crossed up Michael Jordan? Who uh, could forget? It, it, you could forget. Somebody, uh, I forgot the artist's name, but uh, he did an oil painting. It's beautiful. Yep. It's in the Guggenheim, if you haven't seen it. <laughs> it had a temporary exhibit at the Louvre, actually. Oh, yeah, it's I've, good I've, they're getting it around. Yeah, yeah, it's making the rounds. Oh, do you know what the best thing is? I just realized the Jets game is on Saturday this week, and I have my work Christmas party, so I can just ignore it. That I've, been ignore, cool. I've been ignoring it all season, so. That has nothing to do with the Knicks. But <laughs> on Twitter, and I saw someone say it was on Saturday and made me, it reminded me of that, and I got very happy. Jesus Christ. John Wall scored one point the other day. Mm, that, uh,. That $40 million contract year. And he has a bone chip in his foot, I believe, too. I think I'm pretty sure that's a thing I read. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, that guy's getting traded. All right. Well, I guess that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast. Kyle, you want to throw some plugs at us? Yep. So we've started to get back to the... uh, the Twitch 2K streams before the show. Again, we're going to try to be as consistent as we can with that. Sometimes it's tight, but make sure you subscribe. Uh, probably got something coming up with that in terms of a giveaway or something. Um, just, you know, want more of you guys over there. Uh, we're trying to convert over. Not totally from the Periscopes. We still like those, but it's like an enhanced version, you know. So uh, subscribe there. It's twitch.tv slash the Knicks wall. Very easy. Um Outside of that, make sure you go to T Public. Everything's thirty percent off right now. Uh, it should be the same when you guys listen to this tomorrow. Uh, we dropped our new French Prince design Ooh. by our uh, graphic artist Brian Gray. It is. Why you think terrific. that Frankie scored eighteen points tonight? Well, it, it's no coincidence, to be quite honest with you. It simply is not, and it's just a very. I mean, you you guys know our, what our designs have have been since we started this, but this is a uh, a new take on uh, on the French Prince. So. Give it a look. Uh, it's all very fitting that Frank had this night and the the shirt dropped on French Heritage Night, so that was great. But um, yeah, give that a look. And the rest of the store, it's thirty percent off. But if you guys want to get your orders in before Christmas for those Knicks fans in your lives, uh, you're gonna want to do that pretty much this week. So make sure you get to it. Um, if enough of you need to get that done, we could try to get an extension on the sale. But uh, just let us know. But go check out the shop. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, all of us, uh, you know, the Knicks at the Knicks wall at wish I was Corbo for Anthony Corbo. Brian, is yours just your name now? Oh, yeah, that's right. Is it, was, is it at Brian Gibberman? Yes. 
Okay, and that's B. And that's Brian with a Y. Yes. And, uh, uh, I might be and, making that swap soon. It might be time to <laughs> yeah. require the uh, to retire the old wish I was Corbo. And uh, I'm at Kyle Maggio because the guy who has Maggio uh, had one tweet in 2007. You're and still said, on. Oh, as long as I've known you. It said signing up. And that was the only tweet that that guy ever sent for the handle at Maggio. So uh, whenever that like guy is done signing and up and, he, and he's ready to sell that for me, if any of you know this gentleman, if you are the gentleman, uh, please just give me that handle. I will you give you a blank Maggio. check. Uh, that's pretty much it though. That's okay, all I got. Follow us on uh, Instagram if you have it and make sure for this podcast to leave us a five-star review. Brian, have you been in search of the ad Giberman handle? No, I don't care. No, no, I don't even know if anyone has it. I, I tried to get at Corbo and I think it is very much uh, taken. Bummer. Well, one day we're going to have our dreams come true and we'll get our last name handles until then. Keep listening to the TKW podcast. We all love you and we'll talk to you later.